Welcome to Tedakawi's Manufacturing in Mexico podcast, where we talk to internal and external experts to provide you with news, insights, and best practices about doing business in Mexico. Whether you're thinking about expanding into Mexico or already there, this podcast will provide you with the information and advice you need to launch, operate, and thrive. Hello, and welcome to another episode of our Manufacturing in Mexico podcast. On our last episode, we talked about manpower costs in Mexico, and, and today we're going to talk about real estate and building costs. So how are you doing today, Dave? I'm good. Thanks, Ricardo. Great. Well, first question, and it's one that I get often, can foreign individuals or companies buy property in Mexico? Yes, generally. There are a few restrictions on acquiring land near the border or the coastline. For the most part, foreign individuals and corporations can acquire or lease land and buildings the same way that Mexican nationals can. And foreign-owned Mexican companies have the same rights as Mexican-owned companies when it comes to purchasing real estate assets. In some markets, however, commercial properties are closely held and the property owners often favor income over selling their real estate. So, you know, if they don't want to liquidate their assets, so they're interested in the income, you may be in a situation where you, it's difficult to buy property in that market, but you can lease it. And in fact, um, that's one of the reasons why leasing is a very popular choice. And because of that, there's a healthy competitive leasing market in Mexico. So yes, you can buy property uh, individually and as a corporation. Uh, however, for manufacturing operations, you probably want to consider a leasing option in a lot of markets as a first choice. Okay. And what is the kind of industrial real estate landscape look like in terms of properties and buildings in Mexico? Well, there are standalone sites uh, and there's properties available that use standalone sites. But the more common scenario for industrial manufacturing is some kind of an industrial park, which hosts a number of buildings, a number of companies. Some of these have multiple developers in a particular park who then in turn lease or sell their holdings. Others will be the property of one developer, or it may be a shelter operating the park. And they may only offer a leasing option, or they may offer some blend of leasing and, and purchase options. It varies. The amenities in the park tend to differ as well. Some parks are, are pretty bare bones, really just uh, property owners are, and tenants are required to provide most of their own services, and they may not even be gated, or they may not have uh, full utility services installed. So they're really just a, a group of property that are available. But in other cases, the services can be very extensive and comprehensive, you know, perimeter security, amenities that are shared, there's a variety of things that can be offered by an industrial park. Shelter providers, as I mentioned, operate parks and, and they typically provide a wide range of shared services. Uh, some of the examples include uh, common employee transportation systems, uh, medical and recreational facilities, or controlled entry and security services. So the range is wide and depending on who you're working with and what your preference is, uh, there's a lot of different varieties of parks out there. And what does the process look like in order to lease or buy building or property in Mexico? It's very much like the United States or, or most industrialized countries. The leasable area of your facility is going to include mezzanines and inside and sheltered docks. Uh, that's used to calculate the area as well. 
The lease and purchase agreements are, however, going to be in Spanish and are going to be governed by Mexican law. And that's even if they include an English translation. So if you, you have an English translation of a lease, still it's the Spanish version that is the master uh, when you lease property in, in Mexico. Those leases are going to have terms very similar to what you're accustomed to in, in other jurisdictions. They're going to look very, very similar. Leases are often denominated in U.S. dollars. Not every landlord uh expects US dollars, but but many do. Some offer a choice, and then there are some that, that are going to expect to be paid in pesos. Leases are triple net for commercial properties, a gain that's common in most other jurisdictions. So um, taxes, uh, maintenance, and insurance are extra to the, the, uh, the uh, value of the lease that you're quoted. Five to seven-year term is fairly typical. And some brokers and developers are going to add taxes, maintenance, and insurance to the lease. Uh, some others are just going to require the tenant to provide evidence of payments. So that varies a little bit. Common area or park fees. We mentioned that the parks are the most common choice. Well, common area or park fees often apply in a park, and that may even be for owners of buildings. It, those fees will vary depending on what's provided by the park. They may be lower or nil if there's very few services. If there's a lot of services, they may, they may be a little more. And lease rates are usually quoted per month per square foot or per square meter rather than as an annual number. Right. And, you know, I know this isn't something that that's very common now, but what about land available through incentive programs? Well, you're right, Ricardo. It's, it's not very common anymore. It was at one time, but it can still be found. And it can be worth a look, but it's it's usually only worthwhile if you're a very large property purchaser. If you're looking for a very large space and you're a large employer, the land that's offered is often remote and unserviced, and uh, so you need to factor in the costs of accessing the land and and servicing it. And you need to make sure of title, uh, including indigenous rights. Uh, there have been uh, been cases where uh, indigenous groups have rights to land and and uh, Owners have found that they, in fact, don't own the land. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and so, what should companies look for when they're searching for a building or a piece of land? Well, for industrial facilities, I think the following are the key things to look for uh, before thinking about terms and pricing. First of all, proximity to unskilled labor. Secondly, access to transportation lanes. Third, security, and fourth, services and utilities. And, and obviously, you know, access to transportation and security are pretty clear. Uh, but can you elaborate a little more on the importance of proximity to unskilled labor? Yeah. Unskilled workers in Mexico are, are not very mobile, generally speaking. Uh, they often don't own a car or, or they're not uh, prepared to use their car to go to work. Public transportation is often not great. So, so being close to the workers uh, is important both from the uh, point of view of recruiting uh, and and then f- from the point of view of transporting those workers to your factory. In Mexico, in general, the employer is going to transport workers uh, to their factory. If they don't do that, by the way, they're not an employer of choice. So not every employer does it, but but employees like to find employers that will transport them to work. So if you're if you're close to the employees you're going to employ, it's going to be easier to recruit them. It's going to be easier to transport them to work. 
Now, one of the ways you can do that is that there are large housing developments of, of low-cost housing as part of government programs in Mexico. Uh, if you've been to Mexico, you've seen these large uh, developments of low-cost housing. That being close proximity to those is, is helpful. But in, in lieu of that, you have to think about transportation. And uh, so if you're closer to the clients, to the uh, people you're going to hire, then then it's going to be lower. In case of our clients, those that are close to uh, to where the employees are hired from may be looking at something like $35 per employee per month U.S. for transportation costs. Those that are, have to transport employees further away because they're in a remote location might be looking at something like $120 per employee per month. So it varies considerably, as well as being more or less attractive to the employees. Interesting. And so kind of going back to when you talked about services and utilities, what are the main things a company should be looking for there? Well, the main thing is availability of sufficient electoral power, availability of water, and availability of gas. Those are the primary ones. There, there may be other issues for certain companies. But uh, when I say availability of sufficient electrical power, you know, Mexico has a good electrical grid system, but you have to look at your particular location. Is the power distributed to that location? By the way, uh, voltage and amperage are the same as the U.S., but do you have distribution to the location? Uh, are you going to be expected to pay for distribution to that location of perhaps transformers and so on if it's not available? That includes getting down to what's provided in the building itself and on the site itself. Most buildings are not going to have a significant amount of power in terms of the base building. So you have to look at who has to upgrade that and what's required to upgrade it. With water, you have to remember that the water generally supplied through the mains is not potable. Now, that's not a big deal. You, you can get filtered water to for potable water and so on. But it's an important point to remember. And, and again, the the availability is going to be the issue. Is there enough coming through the mains and are there restrictions on use? Uh, and if it needs to be more, are you, you going to be the one that has to pay to upsize mains or upsize uh, the supply? Uh, now, in many cases in Mexico, it's not going to be an issue, but you need to be aware of it, particularly if your property is remote. Uh, finally, with natural gas, it is really just simply an availability issue. Natural gas in Mexico is is available, easily available in a lot of places, but it's not distributed throughout the entire country. So you can be in a location where natural gas simply isn't available. And if that's critical to your process, then, then you want to know whether it's available or not. And once again, Who's going to connect it? Uh, is it is it supplied to your property? Is it supplied to your building, or are you responsible for that? Perfect. And kind of looking at the availability of existing buildings in Mexico, I know that you know it, it's a pretty tight market right now because of the influx of, of foreign direct investment. But what do kind of existing buildings look like? Can you kind of describe? What yeah. the likely um, availability is? In most cases, a Class A building in Mexico is going to meet uh, your requirements as an industrial user, and uh, and it's going to be a high quality building that that would be comparable to what you would choose to uh, to operate in elsewhere in the world. There may be some Class B buildings that might work, um, at least for warehousing or some very simple manufacturing. But generally speaking, you're going to want to stick to Class A and look at those properties. Uh, Multi tenant is very common. Uh, and a, a wide range of sizes as well, uh, often with the ability to, to connect multiple units. Uh, but there are some markets in Mexico where there aren't a lot of small footprint buildings, even in multi-tenant scenarios. So when you get under 25,000 square feet, 
per unit, you may find the selection is is reduced depending on where you're you're located. If you're over 25,000 feet, there's probably a lot of options. The most common, by the way, is a six-inch floor with wire mesh. Uh, there are many industrial processes that that's not a substantial enough floor loading for them. And typically, a bare building is not going to have any support for craneways or any kind of rooftop installations. Um, it's not necessary in Mexico to, to have, a, have a roof strong enough to take a snow load. So, you know, upsizing columns and so on is, is not very common. So if those requirements are important, uh, uh, you either need to install uh, separate uh, foundations in the building as part of your leasehold improvements, or, or you need to uh, deal with a build-to-suit situation to upgrade. It's also common to have minimal lighting and electrical service. Uh, so typically you're gonna need to upgrade the transformers and, and provide additional lighting, either as a leasehold or, or capital investment. Uh, one of the things that you need to be aware of is that uh, the electrical utility uh, requires a one-time demand fee of approximately $100 US per a KVA above 200 KVAs. So in many cases, that will also be a fee that you need to pay uh, in order to get a large enough transformer in the building. And finally, it's common for dock levelers and overhead doors to be manually operated in Mexico. So if you do require um, powered dock levelers or powered doors, you factor that into your thinking. And the same with ventilation. There's, there's typically in the bare building, there's no standard ventilation in the floor, no powered ventilation. So once again, depending on, well, if you're going to put people in there, any number of people, you're going to need to put some ventilation in. And if your process requires more ventilation, then factor that into your thinking as well. And what about office space, Dave? A standard is usually three to five percent of the footprint. So most most buildings will come with three to five percent of their overall area as finished office. Most developers offer a, a basic level of finish that's, that's can be occupied uh, without any improvements, including air conditioning. This is in the office area. So uh, typically, uh, if you require a, a basic level of finish, you know, drywall walls and tile floors and so on, and some air conditioning, that's going to be provided. If you need more office space or you want uh, different finishes, then again, that's going to be either a leasehold improvement or a capital investment on your part. And what are my options if, you know, the existing buildings don't meet my needs? As in other markets, uh, you can do leasehold improvements. Uh, those can be uh, additions to ventilation, lighting, surface finishes, office space, trenches, foundations, whatever it is you require. They may be amortized into lease by the developer, but you can't assume that they will. Some developers in Mexico do not have access to a lot of capital beyond their their investment in their assets, and they, they will not amortize any leasehold improvements. So you can't have a situation where you've got to invest in all of them on your own. In other cases, the developer will uh, will agree to amortize uh, leasehold improvements into the leases. You generally find that the developer will uh, permit internal changes, at least that are not um, financed by them um, pretty with without any uh, significant restrictions, uh, provided you invest your own money. Uh, and provided you return those uh, to the original state when you vacate the building. That's, that's similar to most other jurisdictions. But a lot of parks uh, and some multi-tenant buildings do restrict external changes to the building, particularly as they affect appearance. So you need to be aware of that. And then finally, um, the things that you're almost always going to need to pay for out of your own pocket include uh, distributing your services, connecting your machinery and equipment, uh, and ventilation within the building, uh, security within the building, uh, you know, it's inside the building 
and, and all the process-related features like foundations, trenches, overhead cranes. And, and again, this is not dissimilar to most markets. Finally, some developers are not going to finance any improvements, as I mentioned. So you need to be aware of that and make sure you understand you know, what, what are you getting in the bear building? What are you getting as common park services? What are you allowed to do on your own and, and who's going to pay for it? And what if I want a lease, but my requirements can't be met by anything that, that's on the market right now? A lot of build-to-suit options in Mexico, and a lot of developers will do a build-to-suit and lease back. Uh, so that's a common choice. Uh, there's some excellent uh, companies out there that, that will do that and provide uh, high levels of customization uh, and still still provide the leasehold um, option or the lease, lease back option. Uh, so that's certainly something that could be could be done. Great. And and so, you know, I think we've we've covered a lot with respect to, to industrial real estate in Mexico, but what does it cost? I mean, what 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 can I expect to pay to lease or buy industrial real estate in Mexico? Well, and no surprise, the axiom about real estate applies in Mexico like everyone else, location matters. Uh, so not only the city you're in, but the neighborhood and the proximity to services and so on are going to affect the price. And, and in fact, the range can be wide in any given market. But uh, triple uh, net lease rates uh, in Mexico for industrial properties could be as low as 30 cents U.S. per square foot per month and could be as much as 95 cents U.S. per square foot per month. Average prices, though, say 35% of the lower cost markets maybe uh, 55 cents in per square foot in the higher cost border area, something like that. So that gives you, and I, I mean, I realize it's a large range, but gives you a bit of an idea. Taxes, maintenance, and insurance typically add between one and a half and three and a half cents per square foot. Again, that as we talked earlier, that depends on what the landlord's providing and, and what the tenant's providing. Common area or park fees, um, maybe two cents to three cents per month per square foot. Uh, again, depending on amenities. And then leasehold improvement costs are going to vary depending on what you do, of course. But you know, at minimum, for most manufacturing buildings, you need some improvements to lighting and ventilation, maybe a little bit more power. So you're probably looking at something along the lines of budgeting three to 10 cents per square foot uh, or the equivalent amount of capital for leasehold improvements. Now, if you need process improvements, well, that's going to be beyond that. And, uh, you know, if you need foundations, trenches, things like that that are specialized, then you need to budget for them beyond that. There's a lot of variation. If you decide on the purchase option, there's a lot of variation in purchase prices, depending on the market and, and the uh, conditional location. But also, as I mentioned, how how liquid that market is. You know, is, is it a market where there's a lot of uh, vested interests with uh, who don't want to liquidate their property and therefore there's really not much available? So prices can range significantly higher or lower, but in many markets, you can get a decent industrial building for something like $20 to $60 US per square foot. That's sort of a typical range of purchase cost. Perfect. Thanks for that overview there. So so say, you know, I'm I'm ready to expand into Mexico and I'm I'm looking for real estate. What are the next steps, Dave? What what's kind of the process that I should follow? Well, you know, the first thing is, do you want to lease or do you want to buy? Um, I think the next thing to do is do some homework on your location. Find out about the neighborhoods, find out where the, the labor source is going to be, uh, what are the transportation links like, and, and that sort of thing. The more specific you can get, 
that the easier it's going to be for someone to help find you the building that you need. Uh, there's lots of people who can help. Obviously, like other markets, there are brokers and developers. Brokers, by the way, uh, a lot of the international brokers, uh, Coldwell Banker and, and people like that operate in Mexico. So that's a good route to follow. There are uh, developers who market their properties directly uh, and can be very helpful. Shelter providers, of course, not only provide parks and buildings in some cases, uh, but also they can be uh, an ideal link between uh, developers and brokers and locating the property that you require. And finally, government sources can be helpful in terms of providing lists of brokers, developers, properties available, that kind of thing. The last thing I'd say is get some Mexican legal advice before signing your lease. Remember, it's the Spanish version that governs and a lease or an agreement to purchase. You you want to get competent Mexican legal advice before you go ahead with that. Perfect. Well, well, thanks a lot again for, for your time, Dave. Um, you know, I think you, you did a good job of kind of just laying out what companies need to consider, you know, once they get to the the point of of selecting real estate in Mexico. So so thanks again for your time and, and thank you all for listening. On our next session, we're going to kind of just wrap up costs. You know, last last session, we talked about labor costs today, real estate. Next session, we're going to talk about utilities, uh, miscellaneous costs, and most importantly, startup costs that you need to consider when expanding into Mexico. So be sure to tune in then and, and thank you all again for your time. We appreciate you joining us for this session of the Manufacturing in Mexico podcast. For more information and resources about how to succeed in Mexico, be sure to visit our website, tetakawi.com.